be listening. There are several good uh, ways to be able to talk to kids about the coronavirus and understand they are scared. Don't do, figure out ways to talk to them. They need to be able to hear words of reassuring things from you. They will see all kinds of things. Their schools are canceled. Their events canceled. They don't know why they're having to stay in their houses. Many of you parents are probably already at that level on day two or day three of this that you're ready to send your kids back to anywhere you possibly can. We understand. But help talk to them. There are several good resources from the National Public Television and also from National Public Radio. They're posted on our Facebook page. And you may want to use those to talk to your kids about that. For those of you at Good Shepherd, please respond to Stephanie's communication. This is the only way she'll be able to keep in contact with you. She set up a new group, Me, and please answer that too. Sometimes we are not too good about uh, responding to communications uh, from staff members. So please, please, please respond to her so she can be able to keep you informed and keep you resourced so you can continue to help lead your kids uh, in Christ during this time as well. The voice of our scripture are things that aren't necessarily the things that we are going to be doing today. However, it is very interesting that all of our worship, just about, is uh, we'd already planned. We did not change any of the songs, and uh, these are all pieces that we were going to do before and hymns and that sort of thing. And it's amazing. God still works through all of these things as well. But you're welcome to be able to turn to a U version. If you're on U version on your phone, you can pull up the, the app itself and find the event that we have. If you're close to Hendersonville, it should pop right up. If you're further away, you might have to search for Good Shepherd United Methodist Church and be able to find the event to be able to follow along with all of the things that are in there. On the website, thanks to Ryan Bradford, who has worked tirelessly to get our website ready to go for this moment in time, and Davis Taylor working with sound and all the other appropriate things. You can click on the links on the website and be able to see all the other pieces that go along with this message and with worship today. And you can follow along. So let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer, centering ourselves on God's word and God's Holy Spirit and presence. Gracious God, may the words that I say today bring us hope and encouragement. May they speak to us in a place that we find ourselves now that we are unfamiliar. God, we need your guidance. We need your strength. We need your endurance. Pour into the words that I say this morning. May they be acceptable and pleasing to you. And may they speak to us in our place of deepest need in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. The people of God said together, Amen. So here at Good Shepherd, we have been spending these first few weeks of Lent looking at Max Licato's book, Jesus, the, the God Who Knows Your Name. And this week was supposed to be teacher. And the first thought that I had on Saturday morning as I was writing this is, how is this teacher-preacher, we know that's what I am here at Good Shepherd for those who know me, going to make teacher fit in what was going we're going through right now? Or should I just scrap it and start again? And then I turned the page and there it was, the title of chapter 11. You know what it was? The Way Through the Wilderness. I always thought it was weird that Max did not put Jesus' temptation in the desert at the front end of the book chronologically so I could use it on the first Sunday of Lent like traditionally we would do. 
So I had to make some adjustments anyways. And now we see where the chapter lines up with what is going on in the world around us. You see, God is, our God is amazing. In the Kairos kind of time, not Kronos, Kairos is the right time for things to come together. And this is the right time. We definitely feel like we are in a wilderness, don't we? The grocery stores are a wasteland with not even a roll of toilet paper or other items like sanitizer to be found. I do hope that we all know that soap and water is much better than hand sanitizer, but I fear we are now dependent upon it. And if you really want a bottle, there are apparently two gentlemen who decided to buy 17,700 of them and then feel like they're miffed because they cannot sell them at high prices on Amazon. I pray that they will change their hearts and figure out how to give those 17,700 bottles, 17, bottles to somebody else who needs them. This is the parched ground of March Madness. A morning moment in our household with my UK wife in Walt Disney World. And just about every other communal event canceled that we know. We have seen that word so much lately, canceled. And even now in our houses of worship and communities of faith. The wilderness is the sharp rocks of relationships that are broken and scattered across this shifting sand. We all have to find new ways to be in community with each other. And the burning sun of fear that is beating down even on the most faithful of us. And making us each question, what is faith and fear in these moments? And it is also the wilderness of our souls. Max says that the wilderness was not a typical time for Jesus. And it is not for us as nothing about these days is normal. They are forced upon us to take away our freedom. And we as Americans love our independence and freedom to make our own decisions, don't we? But Luke 4.1 says, Jesus was led around, or other translations say, drove by the Spirit to the desert. It was not his choice. And Max makes a point that I had never thought about. Maybe you hadn't thought about it either. Because the rest of that verse says, In the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And maybe and probably that Jesus didn't just face temptation for one day out of those 40 days. He faced it for 40 days out of those 40 days. In the Bible, we see plenty of times that 40 is associated with repentance in a time of testing. Noah endured the rain for 40 days. Moses wandered the desert for 40 days. Jesus would spend a month and 10 days being tested in every way possible. It is likely that we will spend the same amount of time at least or more being tested in our faith and society the same way. And remember from the beginning of Luke 4 that God knew what God was doing when the Holy Spirit sent Jesus to the wilderness. Satan didn't come to the desert looking for Jesus. Jesus was sent to the desert looking for him. And it was in the wilderness that the devil tempted Jesus with things that looked like faith, but played on his fears. 
If you are the Son of God. If. Matthew 4, 3. Satan knew what Jesus had heard at his baptism. This is my beloved Son. And was now asking, are you really God's Son? Then prove it. Tell these stones to become bread, Matthew 4, 3. And Jesus answered with scripture, it is written. And then, if you are the Son of God, jump from here, and he will order his angels to protect you. 4-7, it is also written, you will not put the Lord your God to the test. And it was during that time that Jesus had to decide whether to have faith or fear. In a relevant magazine article, it says a brief search of social media finds many pastors and faith leaders admonishing their followers against giving in to fear. Using 2 Timothy 1.7, which in the New King James says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Though most translations say self-discipline or self-control. The underlying assumption here seems to be that there is an inherent binary when it comes to faith and fear. The communicated message, intentional or not, is that those who go on living their lives with minimal disruptions are living in faith, while those who cancel travel plans, make arrangements to work from home, and avoid large events are living in fear. While it's certainly true that a spirit of fear could lead to a panic chaos like we've seen already in many ways, what then is the biblical mandate for COVID-19's vulnerable populations? Are we really allowing ourselves to feel a sign of relief that we are going to be okay, provided that this we excludes huge numbers of our less fortunate family and friends? As one of my friends on Facebook said, it's like we are mocking one another saying, surely if you took the risk of meeting God, God would save you. The faithful would come to no harm. But remember, 2 Timothy 1.7 also says, given us a sound mind. And what shall we do with people of faith then? We prepare and protect where appropriate. We follow God. And our faith. And we make sure we don't forget the faithful. We cannot forget that's why we're doing this. We are helping to protect the faithful. And making sure that even though we may not get it. That we are the transmitter for somebody else. Perhaps you've seen the pastor already. And the priest in Chattanooga already. Who did not know he had COVID-19. And has exposed literally thousands of folks to it. From a funeral to a wedding to 800, the Bar Association, to everybody in his masses. I do not want to be that person. And that is why we are being protective. You see, Satan didn't denounce God. He simply raised doubts about God. Is God's work and word enough? The things he tempted with were earthly things like bread changing and temple jumping. They were made to look as powerful as heavenly things. And that's the attempt that evil makes in us. To shift our source of confidence away from God's promises and toward what we can do. 
with our own power. It's a balancing act between those two. I have seen the question asked about a million times, what does toilet paper have to do with the coronavirus? The answer is nothing and everything. Fear is a psychological power almost beyond our control. And what is God's promises in times like this? Well, there are things like this from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, our faith and Scripture need to be a part of our survival pack in these days of desert and wilderness. Amen? Hope he said that at home. It didn't feel funny. Though nobody said it in the room here at all, which is really funny. Psalm 113 says, The Lord is high above all nations. Max says, Can't God see what we can't? Doesn't God want us to get out of the desert and bring us home? Then beyond what we are being asked to do as society in social distancing, which is vitally important to protect the most vulnerable among us, we have to learn the lesson of Italy or it will rage out of control. That's science, not fake news. We have to flatten the curve and give our medical professionals time to be ready to catch up when the outbreaks start becoming more. So what do we do? We do what Jesus did. We rely on Scripture. We, as Max says, I love this, doubt your doubts before you doubt your beliefs. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your beliefs. When Jesus told Satan, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that was his answer for everything. The verb proceeds literally means pouring out. Max suggests that God is constantly pouring out and communicating with the world through God's word. God is speaking still. Our time in the desert will will fade away at some time, leaving nothing but shifting sands, wiping away the footprints of this day and time. And it says in verse 11, which I think we don't focus on as much, at least I don't, the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Over time, our time will come. But right now, we can also be angels to those in our midst who need us not to forget them because we might stay healthy. That's what we are together as a church See, the church is not a building, even one to worship in. The church is a people, a community that cannot be stopped. I said a couple of days ago before the decision came to cancel that God's people will gather and worship, maybe not in the same physical place, but if we do not worship, which can happen anywhere, at any time, with anybody, then the rocks would literally cry out. We have to worship. It's who we are. The other theme for this week speaks to this when Jesus says, I am the vine. John 4 and following, abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He or she who abides in me and I in them, they bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're a gardener, you might understand this. But for many who are not, we often confuse whether we are the vine or the branch. And it's way too easy in our world to think that we are the vine. But Jesus says, I am the vine. But in order to find the vine, you have to go down deeper into where the branches connect into the ground. Because the vine is the root of the plant. You probably had this experience when you've tried to pull up and get rid of a vine like ivy or something else and you went to pull it up and it broke off before the ground, which means it's going to come back. If you don't get it all, it'll come back because the root is the source of the problem. But you see, the root for us is the source of the branches being. It brings life from the soil to the branches. And Jesus is saying, I am the real root of life. Max says, if anything good comes into our lives, then Jesus is the conduit. And who are we? We are the branches. We bear fruit even in times like this when we want to act like the world acts. And even the best of us go out on an all-out search for sanitizer somewhere. We all fall victim to it. And what is that fruit? Well, there's no better place to find it than Galatians 5.22. We bear the fruit, not fruits, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And the scripture that I have seen so much lately, and rightly so, from Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then the next verse, we look to what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. That is what Christians are called to do in these days and times of chaos. And John fifteen eight says that my Father is glorified by all of this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Prove and God is honored. This is why it matters that we bear fruit even during this time, even though that fruit is very different. How do we bear fruit, Max asks? Try harder? No. Hang tighter. Our assignment is not fruitfulness in the same sense, but faithfulness right now. The secret to fruit bearing and anxiety-free living is less about doing and it's more about abiding. Abiding in God. We're going to have to abide during this time more than ever. Amen? In this passage in John, Jesus uses the word abide ten times in seven verses. Or the word remain. It seems pretty important to him. And if it's pretty important to him, it should be important to us. 
Our goal needs to be right now, not so much bearing fruit in that kind of way, but staying attached and holding on for dear life in this crazy chaos of COVID-19. When Hannah, our 16-year-old daughter, was young, and no doubt it was the same with your kids, when we were going somewhere, especially somewhere busy, I would ask her to do what? To not be separated. Hold my hand. Right. Now, we definitely can't hold hands during these moments for good reason. But you can hold God's hand. God is right there beside you, wherever you are. Not just in this worship space or any other. Our goal is not to know the every detail of the future. And believe me, as an Enneagram 5, I do want to know every single one. And I spend hours calculating what is going to happen. No, in the end, our goal is, as Max says, to hold the hand of the one who does. And to never, ever let go. To hold the hand of the one who does. And to never, ever let go. And if the timing of all this didn't seem God-led enough, Max ends with a story about Kent Brantley. And perhaps you're not familiar about Kent Brantley, don't remember his story. But when I turned the page and I, and I read that story, I was like, oh my gosh. God is speaking even through this right now. And I hope you don't, if you don't have Max's book, I hope you'll pick it up. You're going to have a lot of time on your hands at home. Use it wisely. Spend time with family. Read. Do things that you couldn't ordinarily do. Don't just sit around acting like you've got nothing you can do. There's plenty we can do to build ourselves up during this time. With our kids and families as well. Re-engage with them. Get to know them again. Spend some time laughing. Playing board games. Do something different. But Brantley was a medical missionary in Liberia in 2014, waging a war on the cruelest virus at that time, Ebola. The epidemic was killing by the thousands. He had seen the results of the virus, and then he started feeling the symptoms himself. His colleagues drew blood, and he waited in self-quarantine for the next three days to find out the results. His wife and family were across the ocean. His colleagues couldn't enter, and he was literally left alone with his thoughts. He opened his Bible and meditated on a passage from the book of Hebrews in 4.10. Then he wrote in his journal, The promise of entering his rest still stands. So let us never give up. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Dr. Brantley considered that phrase, Make every effort. He knew He would have to do that. He then turned another verse from Hebrews in that same chapter. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And he wrote the words with confidence in italics. He closed his journal and he began to wait for those three days. The test results came back and he had Ebola confirmed. He told his wife back in Texas... She began to cry, and now she had to process the news. She wept for several minutes, and then went outside to a low-hanging branch on a mesquite tree. She couldn't put her words into a prayer. 
So she used lyrics from a hymns that she had learned as a little girl instead. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. And the words lifted her spirit, and she began to sing aloud another. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. And Max says, she later wrote, I thought my husband was going to die. I was in pain. I was afraid. Through the singing of those hymns, though, I was able to connect with God in a meaningful way. Kent was transported from Africa to Atlanta, and his caregivers chose to risk an untested treatment, and his condition improved slowly. But his recovery is not really the victory, and if he had died, it would be the same. He could have died and still won. Why? Because I believe what Max says next. He says, their victory was over another disease, a virus that is as deadly as bit, every bit as deadly and contagious, the unseen contagion of anxiety. Kent and Amber were prime candidates to panic, yet they reacted with the same resolve that enabled them to battle Ebola. They stayed connected to the vine. They resolved to abide in Christ. Ken opened his Bible. Amber meditated on hymns. And they filled their minds with the truth of God. To close, remember the promise from Psalm, 1, Psalm 91, verses 5 through 7, that was in our Good Shepherd email. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And if you need a scripture to hang your hat on this week, it is definitely James 4.8. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. Corral your hearts, you double-minded. Laugh. It's going to be okay. Keep calm and wash your hands and worship God wherever and whenever you can. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh, the pages are out of order. I'm like really out of order. Here we go. So an invitation comes from Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. This week on Thursday, um, I was leading a, a, a 
group of pastors in our district, and there's an app called Pray As You Go. You might want to look at it. I forgot to mention it in first service, but Pray As You Go. If you look it up, it's a Jesuits of Ireland and England in that area, and they have a daily meditation and scripture, and it's really powerful. And on Thursday, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10 was actually the scripture, which really blew us away. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And listen to this, but instead, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Do not put fear as ahead of your life. Instead, put your trust in God first, and be rooted in the stream of living water that never runs dry, even when the heat comes like it is right now. Dip your finger into that cool water. Jesus will be present with you during all of this. Be rooted in Him. Abide in Him. And perfectly, our hymn of commitment is Where He Leads Me, number 338, which fits just nicely, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, it does. I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, take thy cross and follow, follow me, where he
leads me, I will follow. Where he leads us, we will follow. We are followers of Christ. And he will lead us through this. It may not look the way we want to look, but as long as we look to him instead of ourselves, he will direct us and guide us through everything that we're going through. To close, Psalm 103 says this, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Amen and amen. Go forth from this week knowing you are loved, you are not forgotten, you matter to God, and we will get through this together. Peace be with you until we meet again. Amen.